Good morning. Um, Pastor Jason's away today, so you get me, whether you like it or not. So. Um, maybe I'll move this so I'm more in the center. Let's just open with prayer first. Lord, I thank you for uh, today being here and worshiping you, Lord, um, for the opportunity to, to, to hear um, your word spoken, Lord. I pray that it impacts us and changes us. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, so, it seems like today in our society that we live in a, a society of, of unlimited choices, that uh, I don't think we have any more decisions than, you know, our forefathers or, or the generation before us, but it seems like the decisions have a lot more options. And, uh, and I don't know about you, but I, I personally struggle with not what to do, but, you know, which option should I choose? And, and a lot of times I've heard a lot of sermons about, you know, God's will for our lives, like who should we marry or, or should we go to school or should, you know, what should my career be or, or, you know, should I have two kids or should I have two cats or, you know, stuff like that. And today I kind of wish I had two cats, but, <laughs> um, you know, but I think, you know, a lot of times people refer to this as God's call on your life. And, and I think that's true. I think God cares about, uh, the things, the day-to-day decisions, but, when I speak of God's call, I think it means a lot more than just uh, our day-to-day decisions. Um, he does care about who we marry. He does care about uh, that, what we do with our lives. But I think God's call is bigger than that. And that's kind of what I want to talk about today. Um, from the very beginning, if you read through the Bible, God has been calling people um, to do his work. Um, he's called uh, all kinds of different people in all kinds of different ways. And, and they respond in all kinds of different ways. And it's kind of interesting for me to sit down and, and read all these different stories just to see how God works and, and how people respond to him. Um, God doesn't always, you know, ask you to do the same thing as your neighbor, and he's not going to ask you to do it um, the same way that he asked, you know, the person sitting next to you. But uh, there's a few examples. There's tons of examples in the Bible. I'm not going to go through all of them. But, you know, there's a few that come to mind. You know, Jonah is an idea or an example that kind of gives us a good grasp of, of God's calling. If you've heard of Jonah, you know what I'm going to talk about. If you haven't, it's kind of a, a sad story and a great story at the same time. Jonah was asked specifically by God, verbally by God, to do a specific task. He said, you know, go to Nineveh. These people need to hear your word. They're, uh, they're sinful, and I'm going to destroy them. And you need to let them know that I'm not happy with them. And Jonah's response was, nope, I'm going the other way. You know, Nineveh was to the east, and Jonah got on a boat and sailed to the west, you know. He didn't really listen to what God had desired for him or for the Ninevites. And, uh, and you know, God was merciful and he, uh, he, you know, gently coaxed Jonah back with a giant uh, storm that nearly killed him and everybody he was with and then a giant whale. But, uh, but eventually when Jonah came around to, to God's uh, calling in his life, great things happened. He went to the Ninevites and he shared with them what God was doing reluctantly. And uh, as a result of that, you know, the entire city of Nineveh was saved. Um, they repented, even the royalty, the kings, you know, they, they put on sackcloth and, and covered their heads with ash as a sign of repentance of their sin. And, and God saw this and was, said, you know what, I, I, I see that you're repentant of your sin and I'm not going to destroy you. And he spared them. And, and it's amazing that, you know, God used Jonah, a guy that literally ran the opposite direction, to save an entire city. Um, there's other examples you know, great people of faith like Abraham or, um, you know, Paul, uh, you know, the apostles in the, in the New Testament and stuff like that. Um, and one guy that I don't think gets enough airtime, but 
is a, is a really good, cool story about God's calling is Gideon. You find him in Judges, um, Judges chapter 6, and I actually have it here, and I'll read it for you. It's coming. All right, I'll get out of the way. So this is Judges chapter 6, verses 11 to 6. The angel of the Lord came and sat down under the oak and oprah that belonged to Joash the Abarizite, um, where his son Gideon was threshing wheat in a wine press to keep it from the Midianites. When the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, the Lord, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Pardon me, my Lord, Gideon replied, but if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? Where are all his wonders that our ancestors told us about when they said, Did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and given us into the hand of Midian. The Lord turned to him and said, Go in the strength you have and save Israel out of Midian's hand. I am not sending, am I not sending you? Pardon me, my Lord, Gideon replied, but how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh and I am the least in my family. The Lord answered, I will be with you and you will strike down all the Midianites, leaving none alive. We'll go back somewhere. In there. So here's uh, Gideon. Uh, he's told by God, you're going to be the greatest warrior. You're going to save my people and you're going to lead Israel. And, and we find him in a wine press threshing wheat. You know, if you think about it, a wine press isn't the normal place you're going to thresh wheat. You usually thresh wheat on the threshing floor or outside, you know. But he was so scared um, for his life and for the Midianites taking his food that he was cowering in a, in a wine press trying to stay away from him. And this is where we find him, and this is where God says, Oh, mighty warrior, you know, you're going to save my people. And he's like, Oh, Lord, you've got to be mistaken, you know, not me. And he starts making all these good excuses in his mind, you know, you know my tribe is the weakest tribe in all of the, of the Israelites, and I'm the least of my family. You can't think of me as a mighty warrior. And uh, he goes on to, you know, to test God later on in the story. He, you know, he, he gets a sacrifice, and he's like, you know what, I think you're so out there that I'm going to just test you and do a sacrifice and, and see if it's actually you. And when he finally comes to realize that God um, is being truthful and that he's going to use him and he's going to save him, he finally relents and becomes... Um, in one with God's call, you know, he decides that he's going to listen to God and he's going to trust God. And, and I think, uh, you know, the great thing about um, Gideon is that he teaches us that uh, that a small guy, the least of his family, um, can do great things. You know, if you read on in Gideon's story through chapter six of Judges, um, you'll find that, you know, he did. God did amazing things for him. Uh, he led the country for forty years, and those forty years were some of the best years. Um, the, they, the Israelites um, enjoyed 40 years of peace with God and, and oh, they, even though they were at war they weren't under the Midianites' hand anymore and, and he did amazing things to bring them out of that and I think Gideon really teaches us about uh, how God can use us to be leaders um, in the world so you know there's lots of examples that we've gone through in, in the Old Testament there's tons of them um, there's lots that you can search out for yourself and just see how God works but uh, in the end of the stories they turn out as great stories of faith, but they usually start with uh, pretty feeble people. Um, you know, Jonah, a guy that runs, and Gideon, a guy who cowers in a wine press, and guys like Moses who, who stumble over their words and say, oh, you can't use me. And there's all kinds of examples of people coming up with, you know, why God can't use them. But uh, 
but God does use them. Um, in their minds, you know, as they're, as they're talking to God and saying, oh, don't use me, I, I'm not a good speaker, don't use me, I'm weak, uh, they're valid excuses in their mind. You know, I, I personally come up with a lot of really good excuses why I shouldn't do what God is calling me. You know, they're really good excuses. But, uh, but God seems to more than willing to work with uh, my, my, I don't know how you say it, my, my weaknesses or my lack of faith. Um, he's more than willing to work with that. Uh, if you read through the Bible, there's probably a story for every excuse that I've come up with and that you could come up with of why God shouldn't use you. And, and if you read through it, you'll see how God works with those, those excuses and those weaknesses. Um, the great thing about God is that he meets you where you are, but uh, he calls you to where you're supposed to be. Um, he doesn't expect you to be this amazing person right now, but he can make you into that amazing person. He can do amazing things through you. Um, when I think of God's calling in my life, I wish it was like uh, Jonah or Abraham, where it was you know, God verbally speaking to me. Um, it happened in the Old Testament, you know, an audible voice of God. It happens today to people. Um, it's never happened to me. And, and I don't think that means that God's never actually called me. Um, God calls in all kinds of different ways. There's different a- avenues and aspects that he can use that he didn't have in the Old Testament. Um, you know, he can call through his word, through the Bible. Um, if you read through that, that is his calling to you in your life. Um, it might not be a verbal, specific calling to you, but it applies to your life. Um, he calls us as individuals to do specific tasks, like he did Jonah and Gideon. Um, he calls us corporately as a church to do lots of things. Um, there's not just the church, there's parachurch ministries outside of the church, like Samaritan's Purse that we were talking about, the shoebox ministry, and um, Compassion Canada, those kind of things where God is calling people to do his will in this world. Um, you might not audibly hear it, but, but he is calling us. Um, and I think one of the things that that we uh, that we kind of undermine or don't don't notice as much as is the call of the Holy Spirit and the gifts that the Holy Spirit has given to us. That is one of the major ways that God is going to call you if you haven't been called already is through the Holy Spirit. Um, if you've been given certain gifts of of teaching or faith or or prophecy or or leadership, these are most likely an area that God's calling you to serve Him and His kingdom. You know. Um, God's calling doesn't always mean that you have to be completely out of your element and completely scared to death that uh, you don't know what you're doing. You know, if you're gifted in a certain area, that's probably a good spot to start where God can call you and use you. Um, he calls us to specific purposes. Um, I have an example here, like Philip in Acts. Oh, that's it there. It says, <clears throat> Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Go south to the road, the desert road, that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out, and on his way, he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of all the treasuries of Kandaki, which means queen of the Ethiopians. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship. So, you know, their God gave him a very specific task. All he said was, go this way, to this specific road that goes between Jerusalem and Gaza. And that's all the information he gave him. But because of that, you know, Philip was able to speak to the Ethiopian eunuch. Um, I don't know if you know the story. I'm not going to go through all of it. But, you know, he got there and the Ethiopian eunuch is saying, who's this guy that I'm hearing about? And, uh, and Philip sits down and talks to him and, and explains the whole history of Jesus' life, kind of bringing him right up to date. And the Ethiopian eunuch says, wow, I want to be baptized. I want to know Jesus. And, 
And all, all Philip did was, uh, was go to the road that God told him to go to. And amazing things happened. Now this Ethiopian eunuch, he's going back to Africa. Um, who knows what kind of impact he had in his, in his country and in the entire continent. But just because he listened to God's call on his life, a very specific call, amazing things happened. Um, we can surmise it. Who knows what happened? It could have been, could have been nothing, but it could have been something amazing too. So just his willingness to listen was, was important. And I, I think God calls us to these specific tasks, but he also calls us to, you know, large, ambiguous tasks that, that are hard to define. Um, they're large time periods. They're, they're, they cover all kinds of different gamuts of what you would be doing. Um, you know, things like just be a faithful believer from the time you know God until the time you die. That's pretty, pretty broad, but that's a calling on your life, you know. From the time you know God, be faithful and share that with people until you die. Um, we don't know how long we're here for, but that time should be used um, to fulfill what God's calling us to do. So I think we've established, you know, throughout the Bible, there's lots of examples of God's calling. If you look around, people you know, and people in this church, um, God's still calling people. Um, you know, we've been saved for a lot of stuff. Um, God is amazing what he can do. Um, we've been saved to give glory to God and to share um, this good news with people. Uh, Rick talked about Ephesians 2, and I'll just bring it up again quickly. Bear with me. I don't know technology. Ephesians 2.10 says, For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. You know, it's, it's, not, it's nothing amazing. God has, has saved us for a task. He saved us to do certain things. Um, there's a huge need in this world for us to share what we know. Um, sin has divided us from God. And, uh, and those of us who know Christ, um, that division, that chasm that was separated, separating us from God has been gaffed. But uh, for those people who don't know Jesus and, and, and don't have Jesus in their life, um, it's, pretty, it's still an issue. And, and for us not to share what we know is unfair to them and, and their lives. Um, we have that knowledge, and it's not a secret. It's something that we're asked to share. It's something that God wants us to do. Um, that's our main purpose. Each person's role in this will be different. You know, I think um, how you are gifted, um, how you love to serve, what you love to do will, will define how the role that you play. But I think ultimately and, and largely, um, your willingness to answer God's call will be the ultimate factor in whether or not you will be used by God. If God wants you to do something and you run the opposite direction, um, it's going to be hard for him to use you. Maybe he'll use a storm and a big fish to do it, but uh, I hope it doesn't even become an issue for us. You know, um, I think it's normal to want to run when God asks you to do something. I think it's normal to make excuses um, when God speaks to you and says do stuff. Uh, I think that's normal, but I, I hope that what we can learn from people like Gideon and Jonah is is learn from their mistakes or learn from where they were weak and, and we can maybe just step up and, and do what God's asking. Um, so, you know, we often talk about what we've been saved um, from. You know, we've been saved from our sin, our, our iniquities. Um, but I think often we don't talk much about what we've been saved for. Um, I want to ask you guys, what have you been saved for specifically? Um, I think we're saved for more than just, um, just the basics of our faith. I think we're saved to do more, um, to share more. So I challenge you guys um, to not just let this die here, 
to go home and, and think about this and pray about this. And, and if you pray about it, I, I pray that you're, uh, that you're ready to answer God when, when he calls you. You know, I've been praying for God's will in my life, um, how he wants me to live my life, where he wants me to go and what he wants me to do. And, and to be honest, I've got lots of good excuses when he, uh, when he does answer me and uh, lots of good reasons not to do it. And, and I think that's normal. But I think if we're ready to pray that prayer, I hope we're ready to, to hear the answer too. There's one quote um, that I want to leave with you guys. This is by J.P. Moreland. He's a, a theological teacher, um, writer, professor from California. And I think he says it really well. He says, Make no mistake about it. This drama and this kingdom's agenda is at the center of the meaning of cosmic history and your own individual story. Like a grand conductor who calls in the flutes at just the right time, your father has brought you into the cosmic symphony at your unique place and time and space so you can be a vibrant outpost in your sphere of influence. In short, you are, you are here to be an apprentice of the Lord Jesus, to learn how to live your life well as part of God's broader purpose. This is your calling. This is your destiny. This is your only chance to have a life of genuine, full human flourishing.